You're listening to Greetings from Austin. I'm Elisa. And I'm Jenny. We're here to share all things lifestyle, real estate, design, and more. As Austin natives and agents with combined 28 years experience, we're excited to bring you new episodes weekly. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, Jenny. Hey, Lisa. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. So today we're going over what you need to know when buying land to build a house. And Jenny is expert here. She is a builder and has done this a lot of times. So we're going to pick her brain today and learn a little bit about how to find the right piece of land for the house you want to build. First off, will you tell us what do you need to look for when you want to build a house on land in an unincorporated area? Yeah, I figured today we would go over when you're not in any city and you have limited restrictions, and then we can do another one based on a build that I have in a city because they are very different yeah. um, animals. So so say you're looking for land to build a house on, and today I wanted to base it on my experience. Uh, we had been looking for land for years. My husband wanted further out land. I wanted closer in, but we ended up buying in Dripping Springs, seven and a half acres, and we it's, it's about 45 minutes from Austin, and we found unrestricted land that's in, not in an HOA, a lot of the land in dripping is there are quite a few that have been subdivided, resubdivided, and then they're in some sort of neighborhood and they may still not have very many restrictions, but I wanted the least restricted land, mm-hmm. um, but I still wanted pretty land. So today we're just going to go over the process. I am a builder. I am also the owner. So I'm speaking from that experience. The audience is probably a lot of people that will have to go find a builder. Yeah. But I just wanted to go over our experiences and just kind of teach, help teach. I mean, I definitely don't know everything. Mm -hmm. Everyone needs to do their own research, but just to touch on you know, how the process works and the things you need to do. Yeah. How to get started. I think something else to mention about Dripping Springs area, there are a lot of neighborhoods that have like a handful of custom builders that are approved for the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So I I've helped clients look for land in the area before. Mm -hmm. And that was always an issue. Like they're a custom builder. They're not approved to build in these neighborhoods. So then it wasn't an option for them. But if you are out there looking for land and want to build, it could make it a little easier. You have a list of builders to start with and then you... And sometimes when you're looking for lands or lot, the that land or lot is tied to the builder. Mm-hmm. You have to build through them. So it's... And, and they might, might already have plans. Mm-hmm. This particular plot of land, it was a builder, realtor couple and they were going to build a spec on this land. They, they were open to selling to anyone too. Mm-hmm. So they were offering to build a house or offering is just vacant land and I wanted just the vacant land. Okay. Yeah. The style of the house that they had was, I don't know, they had elevations. I don't know if they had floor plans, but, um, it wasn't my style at all. Mm -hmm. So, and, and I knew I'd be the builder. So I wanted to start from scratch on plans. Yeah. Okay. So next up, what information do you need when you're interested in a piece of property, like documents, that sort of thing? So first and foremost, you should get a copy of the restrictions and know what the rules and regulations are in those. Read them. Sometimes they can be sort of long, but mm-hmm. out on out on land, they're not typically that awful. 
Yes, just any restrictions for that land. Like what we found, we looked for years and years for land. And what we found is, I mean, we looked far away. I would say a good hour and a half, two hours. We were looking all over. And it was amazing to us how many restrictions were on these plots of land. And what had happened is these homeowners used to own all this acreage and then they decided to re-subdivide it off to make money, but they still lived on some of it. So they were still just heavily restricted lots. Like I remember reading or, or pieces of land. I remember reading one set of restrictions and it talked about how you couldn't have a dog unless you had a fence and then you couldn't have this sort of animal, animal but you could have this sort of animal. Mm-hmm. Like I just, I, it felt really odd to me that we're looking to live, to have a house on on acreage where we wanted to get away from rules and and have privacy i found it really odd that so many restrictions mm-hmm. were placed on this these lots yeah so several that we found and and we also were looking for land in colorado and i i found it crazy like the short-term rentals is a big thing there that you can't mm-hmm. that that's in a lot of um restrictions, especially if there's an HOA. But I knew that I wanted, I just, I want to do amazing things to the property, but I didn't want any rules on being able to short-term rent it. That was sort of the biggest, biggest thing. But also I wanted to, didn't have, want to have rules on trees or doing the improvements I wanted to mm-hmm. do. Yeah. Yeah. You have plenty of that on your other bills. <laughs> exactly. And I guess that's where my history is coming from. I've, I've um, built in some very restrictive areas that yeah, I don't, it makes me upset when you spend so much money, <laughs> Yeah, but someone can really, a city can really get in your business about what you can and can't do. Okay. So next up, what are the first things you need to do when you find the land that you want to buy? Yeah. So when you finally narrowed down and you've read the restrictions and you know that you can deal with what they are and you're good with that, go ahead and make your offer. You know, hopefully you get under contract. I know in our experience, we made an offer and we put in a really long option period. I can't remember. Well, the most recent land we did, I know we did 30 days, but I was already pretty familiar with that land. But this one, I think we did less, but you need to give yourself plenty of time. And I, I just do it in a form of an option period. So it's just simple. You'll need to be able to get your survey back. And I know that there's, you know, it's written in the in the contract about the surveys, but I really just like as much as possible to be under the option period because it's just cleaner that way. You don't have to say, oh, because of this on the survey, I don't want this anymore. So you really need, need that due diligence time mm-hmm. to order the survey and just, you know, I know that there was a building moratorium in Dripping Springs and I don't, I, I do think my property would have been affected, but a, f- a few months, maybe a month or two right after we got the permit, they put a builder, a building moratorium on dripping springs and I didn't research I just I saw it in the paper in the dripping paper and I think it went on for a long time so I wow. think I didn't do all the research to see if my land exactly would have been affected and I don't know what it was all about it may have been over like city sewer or something like that mm-hmm. so maybe septics weren't ex- in a, a part of it. I'm I'm not sure but that would not have been good to be a part of any building moratorium. And it was long, which means you can't build. So we would have been paying on a, on a piece of land that we couldn't do anything on. So wow, they have lifted since then. And, and I was, a, I had already gotten all my permits, so I was able to, to get moving. So, so maybe make sure that there's not something like that in place exactly. currently. Yes. Of course you can't control what happens after, but, right. um, It'd be nice to know before. Yeah. Yeah. If it was an issue. Yeah. So 
go ahead and get that survey ordered. You, you want to get that back as soon as possible. Um, and with the survey, you know, we already knew where we wanted to put the house. We had a good idea. It's, it's, it's a pretty, to me, it was kind of a no brainer of where mm-hmm. to put the house on the land because there's this high point that we decided to build on. And you'll want to get the topography on the survey of where you want to build and then the tree survey. So anywhere we were going to develop, we wanted topo and tree. And then wherever the septic's going to go in the drain field, you want the topography of that area too. And it's hard to know where that's going to be. So you might want to talk to the septic designer or the builder before you, you know, decide where definitely before you decide where the topo and the tree survey need to be. That's a discussion you need to meet with the builder and decide all of Mm -hmm. those things Mm -hmm. before going forward with the survey. And then also make sure that you've ordered the title policy. That schedule A and B lists off a bunch of restrictions and what encroachments. Mm -hmm. So you'll, you'll want to have that information so that the survey is the most accurate. And then you'll, so once the survey is back, you, you know, want to see if there are any encroachments or what the setbacks are, what any drainage easements are. And you also want to look into if there's a floodplain. If you could try to get that information up front, Mm -hmm. that would be best, but it's not always available. So when you are interested, you want to make the offer, try to get whatever they have first. I know on this land in particular, there was a survey but it was a very, it was not comprehensive of this lot. It was several lots together. So we had to go and get our own survey. And I didn't end up working with a surveyor that had already done. I already had a relationship. So I started over. It's a long relationship with a survey company and a build. So I wanted to work with mine from the start. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, and for the floodplain, you could look this up on the FEMA map, but it probably should be part of your research especially if there if your property is at all in the floodplain that you're considering because then that would need to come in with the survey and figuring out placement right I mean a lot of land does have floodplains and definitely drainage easements if you're on acreage but yeah you just need to make sure that you're staying away from those in your build site Mm -hmm. again this is a pretty easy one because it is the highest point (laughs) yeah for a while, which, which higher points definitely allow for better views. Yes, they do. They're yeah. so beautiful. But when you build on kind of a hill, the foundation gets more expensive too. So mm-hmm. there's, there's trade-offs, but very well worth it. Yeah. So a lot to chat with a builder about mm-hmm. if you're going through this process and you aren't, aren't sure about the numbers and how the build site might affect that, then mm-hmm. um, it, it's so hard. I mean, I, yeah, I know from experience with this, I, we went in to get the bid on the foundation. I expected it to be a certain number. And the engineer heavily engineered this foundation because we were on the hill. So it cost a lot more than I expected. So, mm-hmm. And even the foundation guy said that it's just way over-engineered. It didn't need to be this crazy. But yeah, my structural engineer suggested it, or not suggested it. He put it on. <laughs> he said that's how I had to do it. So... Well, that's what I did. Sometimes better safe than sorry, right? I guess, but yeah, it was double. Yeah. yeah. It was a So one thing before they do the engineer designs the foundation, you need to do a soils test. We did do soils tests out here to and then they engineered off that as well. Mm-hmm. So it had to do with soils test and the fact that it was it's on a hill. Okay. And you need a soil test for a septic also? The septic designer will come out and do their own. Okay. Um, 
they, my septic designer has his own equipment that he'll bring out. I don't know if it's a skid steer or mini excavator, but they just dig down. I've never been here when they actually do it. I just, I see the test holes, Mm -hmm. but yeah, they see what kind of dirt it is and um, how it's going to absorb uh, the water and the drain from the drain field. And they, I think they decide like what it's a, I can't remember if it's level one, two, three, four, or something like that, what caliber of soil. And then that's how they design the drain field. Okay. Okay. And how big it will need to be mm-hmm. per the house and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. But it has to do with the soil it's in as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. So if it's really rocky or if it's very, um, clay, clay is, is not good. So they have to make the drain field bigger. Yeah. Or they make you add a certain amount of topsoil if it's really rocky. Mm -hmm. It can't be on too much of an incline. It has to have a certain amount of slope or less. Mm -hmm. Okay. So all things that, again, your builder will will be working on with you Mm -hmm. if you are building a house. Okay. So next up, what sort of financing do you get when you build a home? So what I recommend, if you can, Mm -hmm. is to buy the lot cash if if you can and then get a loan on the construction project but if you can't do that this land in particular I got a a construction loan on the whole thing Mm -hmm. it's just much more stressful Uh, you could buy the land separate with a loan and then and then get the construction loan separate but I wanted to do it all in one and and that is a hard way to do it because the lender requires plans yes and that is really hard to make all of the timing work on that. Yeah, my architect, he's amazing, but I really pushed him hard to to get that done. I can't say that that's achievable. Definitely, I've worked with other architects that never would have been able to do it. Yeah. So I want to say we closed in 45 days, but, okay. but I had already built a house that... I, I sort of copied some things. I knew exactly what I wanted and I had already worked with this architect. So I know there are spec builders that like have plans already in mind and they kind of reuse and tweak mm-hmm. a bit. So that's easier to get these construction loans. So you can get a construction loan and then they're, they're generally 12 months to 18 months. Definitely try to get the 18 months because it's really hard to build in a year. Mm-hmm. Um, or there's construction to permanent financing and that's where it's just one lender. I believe it's one. I've never done construction to perm, but I know if you're for sure going to live there, that is the best way to go. But but definitely, you know, research the different options. The thing about if they can lock your rate on the construction to perm, that would be pretty amazing. Whereas, you know, if you get a construction loan you're, and you refinance, you're, you're caught at the end at whatever rates, whatever yeah. rates are. I know I was really scared about what rates were going to be because I, I felt they were going to go up, up, up. And mm-hmm. um, I was able to, I had sort of heard about locking in a rate for six months mm-hmm. and I researched and I found a bank that would do it and I did have to pay for it, but it turned out it was well worth it to lock a rate for six months. Rates, they didn't quite double during that time, but they went up like two, two and a half, mm-hmm. two to two and a half percent. And it was a good size loan. So it would have yeah. made a big difference in the mortgage. 
Yeah. So as far as like what plans you need, you don't, the floor plan or the um, architectural plans, the bank I dealt with, and I think a lot of banks are this way, just require the floor plan and the elevation. They want to know, and then like a spec sheet, they want to know what the house is going to look like, how big it's going to be, kind of the layout, Mm -hmm. and then what sort of finishes are you going to put in it? So after schematics, um, the architect then works on the actual construction plans and um, the bank did not require those. So mm-hmm. I was able to get those in much sooner because had they required the the full set of, you know, all the dimensions and everything, it, it would have taken even longer. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm sure it varies per lender and what they require. It yeah. oftentimes does just depending on the type of loan. Yeah. Who's backing it. Right. Yeah. True. I think it's important to mention too that like not every lender will do a construction loan. So you kind of have to do a little bit more research. If you're working with an agent, which of course we recommend you do, then a lot of times they could give you some, some names and a starting place for your, for finding. Yeah. It's more the banks. I'm not talking the big banks, but I worked with a small bank. I think they're based out of Fredericksburg. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've worked with several um, more local banks. I've done, independent loan, independent bank and prosperity. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, not your normal mortgage broker does these type of loans. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what do you look for when you get the survey back? So look for, make sure the square footage matches, um, what is being marketed and what mm-hmm. is on the tax records, see where the setbacks are, where the utility easements are, just make sure that works with your plans you know, on unrestricted land, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty, uh, usually there's not much of, of these things and setbacks. Encroachments. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, the funny thing is that, yeah, when you're doing land, you're also probably not getting every single improvement. And we just found out after we've owned this land for two years now that uh, we're putting up a fence and we had them do um, points of line all the way along the property line. And we did find out that the neighbor, which is a farm, has their road into our encroaching into our land. So that's uh-huh. interesting. And then on the other side, you have a fence encroaching your land, which you're, you're dealing with that, but... Oh, yeah. <laughs> the back neighbor? Yeah. yeah. They put their fence 14 feet onto our property. Uh-huh. Yeah. So just making sure everything's uh, where it should be. Yeah. Right? I, yeah. Yeah. That road. Yeah. I mean, they probably should have been on there. But, mm-hmm. oh, well. It was interesting when I told the owner he was not being um, very cordial. And so I just wanted him to know that he was encroaching on my property. <laughs> Because I wanted to just get back at him, but he's like, "I didn't put that there. It's not my fault. I didn't. I know it's not. It, you, that line's wrong." <laughs> I mean, all these backpedaling, and and I was like, "Okay, it doesn't work like that." Yeah, and then he was like, "I have a survey, and it's not on. There. I have a survey, and it's fine. It it is it does not show that road." And then he showed it to me this morning, and um, I said, "Because you have no improvements on your survey, you only have boundary lines. Mm-hmm. It doesn't show the road. That's why you don't see the road encroaching on my property." Yeah. So I think he finally gets that I know what I'm talking about, and you know, I just wanted to make it clear I don't care, but he needs to be cool with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah reasonable right because yeah. he's encroaching on your property mm, totally i just i wanted to take a tree down for the fence and he gave me a difficult time but then <laughs> um <laughs> but he said fine 
<laughs> so at the end of the day, well, he said no at first, uh-huh. <laughs> and then he said, "What compensation are you going to be going to give me?" And I said, "Nothing." Then, <laughs> well, don't forget to watch a road on my property. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and on on another note, on the survey side of things, if you're building a house, surveys are really important. We recently talked about surveys on another episode, so. We're extra informed about this right now. You could put your house in the wrong place if you don't have the right kind of survey. There was a story of somebody putting their house on someone else's property or half on someone else's property Mm -hmm. and then half on their own. Mm -hmm. So, you know, things like that can happen. You think you understand the boundaries, but if you don't actually have the proper survey with the proper markings, it's kind of hard to tell. Yeah. If you just have the corners marked and especially if you're on land where, you know, this is like 650 feet the run some mm-hmm. of the runs there's no way uh, many times if there's trees you can't see the other corner but if you don't have a straight property line then forget it um, but even if you do it's easy to get really turned around like I was back there in the trees this morning with the neighbor and I was like I, I think we're at this corner but I am I'm really turned around mm-hmm. we're at one of these corners I don't know which one and then you look and it doesn't look like a straight line but it is a straight line so mm-hmm. It's, it's, I mean, you look on the property and look through the trees and look at the stakes and it does not look straight, but it, but it is. So, yeah. Yeah. And if you have n- not a square lot or a regular and not straight lines, then yeah. yeah, for sure. You could get really turned around. Yeah. So get the right stakes up, get the right survey. Yeah. So that's, that's to know the property boundary lines, but once what they really should have done is done the building envelope. I don't know what they, I think it was a mobile home was the story, mm-hmm. but I don't know what they normally do for mobile homes, but I know when I'm about to put up a foundation, they do the building envelope. The survey company comes and they mark the corners of the building envelope so that the foundation guy can go off of those corners. And then once the forms are up, the survey company comes back again not necessarily on land I I don't think I had him do a form survey I can't remember the main thing to on a form survey is to make sure you're not over any setbacks or anything Mm -hmm. before you pour that foundation and it is I guess it would be good to know that they got all the lines right and everything before you build the house but I'm I don't know that it's completely necessary if um, you're not near any setbacks Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah, just make sure it has the trees marked that you wanted on there um, and the topography in the right places. What I've done to show the surveyor where I want topography is I've come out to the property and I put markers in, in the form of stakes or I recently found these like red little wire things that, that are pretty tall because I was afraid they wouldn't be able to see anything low to the ground. But I, I put them on all the corners. I wanted topography inside all those corners. And then I um, did GPS points on my phone. You can use the compass and do GPS points. And I would I screenshotted and I sent a pic, uh, pictures of the or screenshots of the GPS coordinates to okay. them. So they would know where to do the topo. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And that compass app on your phone is Mm -hmm. really amazing. It also shows elevation. It's not completely accurate. It's maybe accurate within 10 feet or so, but it's really cool Uh, when you're on a lot, say it's like you're building for, for instance, my house in Westlake, I know the finished floor elevation, which is the top of the foundation is at 814 feet. And then this, the pool is it two feet lower and so it's it's when you're on land before you've started anything it's just a cool marker to kind of know what you're at 
and then walk down the down the way and then know that okay that's 10 feet higher i mean it's just a it's a it's very expensive equipment really gives you really detailed information but it's just neat to see like my other land lot we're going to build on in westlake is a lot of lot it's on a hill and Mm -hmm. so to see where the build site is i i go as a reference okay we're around this and i'll know okay this is about where we're building okay so that's so interesting yeah my architect taught me that i love it that's a good trick yeah okay so now we're going to talk about utilities a little bit i know this i feel like i've had clients ask about buying a lot to build on. And this is always a big question because it's expensive and, and it depends on the area. But mm-hmm. so will you tell us a little bit more about what you do with utilities and how do you get them established on the property? Mm-hmm. So we were fortunate that there was a power pole on this property. And mm-hmm. so that made um, a big, that, that helped a lot. I don't know. I don't, it se- seems like it'd be very expensive if, the power pole was really far away um, to bring it to the actual property. So we were, we were fortunate. I've not had to do that, but as far as a well, it it had, it didn't have anything. It was just vacant land. I called a few well companies in the area and just discussed, and I had never had a well or done a well and talked to a few people that had serviced neighbors and well, well guys and said that there was plenty of water here. Um, that I could do a test um, mm-hmm. to be sure. And, and maybe if I'm representing someone, maybe I will recommend that, recommend yeah. that, but it was about $5,000 and mm-hmm. um, we, we wanted the land and um, we were just hoping there was water. <laughs> yeah. So you don't have to do like a rainwater system or something right. creative. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think rainwater is really cool, but mm-hmm. um, not in droughts. No, <laughs> no, which we do have here. So yeah. Well, this summer there was a drought and all these people with rainwater had to get water trucked in because mm-hmm. uh, it got their tanks dried out. So, yeah. So we ended up digging a well and everything worked out great. I don't, I don't remember. It was like 550 feet down the one I, again, I'd never done a well before, so I didn't really know what to expect, but when they came, they did the well. And then when I started getting towards the end, uh, I had someone come and test the well water and the thing is, he just said, um, there's no shores of water here, but nobody wants this water. <laughs> <laughs> Does like, anybody want any of the water around here? I don't no, 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 think no, 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 so. No, 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 This is the worst. Oh, I don't think I've heard this story. Yeah, he said it's the worst around. Um, so Just hard? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, so hard. Like here, and it starts kind of here and then up in Johnson city. Okay. Um, it's even worse. I don't think it's like closer in dripping. I don't think it's on the same reservoir. Yeah. It was like a hundred parts per million hard. It would have ruined everything in this, all the plumbing in this mm-hmm. house. My plumber, for instance, whenever you're building the house, they do the plumbing and then they, they pressurize it. They put water in it, um, just to make sure that while they're doing drywall and other things that nobody hits it, that you'll know that it'll come out if somebody hits a a water line. So you feel it. And I just said, do not fill my plumbing with that water. Mm -hmm. And um, he did. (laughs) Jenny, oh, it's fine. It's fine. I was like, but it's not. I don't think it is. And he's no, it is. Well, when we went to go put the um, final trim on the plumbing and the showers and stuff, he opened up the valve and he could not believe what the water had already <laughs> done to the valve. It had already like 
the valve, um, it's like a brass valve, but I, it had already like corroded the bottom a little bit and, and it's fine. They had to go in and sand, sand the valve down. Oh my God. I mean, and that's just a couple months of yeah. that water sitting there and it's not like tons. It was just, well, it wasn't water coming out all the time. Yeah. There was no water coming out. Yeah. It was just the same water. Imagine more water, more, I would think more hardness. Yeah. But so I talked to them, the water quality people about water softeners, because that's how a lot of people treat their well water. And um, it's just so hard that that wouldn't have been a good solution. Mm -hmm. So they had said the sodium would be so high in the water that it would be corrosive to my other appliances. Mm -hmm. And there's, I have really nice stuff in here. Even if I didn't, I wouldn't want to replace a dishwasher no. every year or two. But not, yeah, definitely not these dishwashers. But, no. Um, Anyway, so he talked me into reverse osmosis treatment, water treatment, and now it's amazing water. Yeah. It's expensive, but I mean, it was complicated to, to figure out. We did it, and it's yeah. great. Yeah. So good things to know about the area that you're building if you're going to have to spend money on an additional system to make the water more livable. <laughs> That could be important to know yeah, up front. We, we it adds drink a lot. It. Yeah. And I'm, I don't drink city of Austin water. I mean, yeah. we have a re reverse osmosis like under the sink at every house. So yeah, I'm pretty picky about the water, yeah, but I am too. Um, that's water. And then as far as um, power, just it's Pertinellis Electric out here. And so I was able to work with, it was a really great guy just designing the system. And uh, because the power line was there, there was no transformer. Um, mm -hmm. so they had to design, they needed to know about the house and what all power I needed. And, um, and then they designed the transformer and, um, we're, we're very involved in, um, the process of bringing, I mean, I paid for it, but, um, bringing, I did an underground line to the house and they inspected it every phase. It was, it was wild. It was probably the most inspected item was that ditch and how everything was connected to the yeah power. Yeah. Yeah. But oh, they were great. fast and they were really great to work with. Um, and then lastly, the, um, sewer is septic. So as I was talking about earlier, the septic designer, you, you send the floor plan to them and then they design how big of tanks you need and how big of drain field they come and do their soils, their own test of the soil and, um, decide how big the drain field needs to be. And then they place it out on the, um, serve the site plan and yeah, okay. that's your sewer. And if you happen to be in an area where you could tie into public utilities, a lot of times that's, you're paying for the cost to tie in from the property to the street or wherever the closest utility tie in is. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which I feel like in this area, there are a lot of septics and a lot of wells yeah, and, and I had never, I had always tapped into, We've I've done several septics, but I've never had a well, so always had water to tap into. Mm -hmm. Okay, last question, or second to last question. Will you tell us more about your agricultural exemptions? Yeah, we were really fortunate that this property already had one on it. Uh -huh. So it, it was subdivided, uh, re-subdivided, re and it's the previous owner had made sure that it stayed and they had bees on the property when we got here. Will you first tell us what an agricultural exemption is? Because I have a funny feeling that pr there are people that probably really aren't going to know what that means. Okay. Well, 
All I know (laughs) is that um, (laughs) it's an exemption that you can have. I mean, a lot of people are familiar with it more for cows, Mm -hmm. but it just saves you money on your taxes. Um, You're taxed very little on land that is um, under the agricultural exemption. And um, it is very hard to put into place. Mm -hmm. It takes about five years and I think a lot of documentation and so if a property has it already, it's very valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did everything I could to keep it. And they had bees before, and then they took them before we closed, and I ended up putting bees back on the property, thinking that that were, what, was what we were going to do. And then um, the person that I was working with just came and took them one day, and um, I didn't know why. And, uh, <laughs> well, he said because of winter. And then I never heard from him and then it wasn't winter anymore. And I just figured he was not reliable. And I had worked with this company who helps you with ag exemptions, whether it be putting a new one on or keeping them and it's plateau management. The previous Mm -hmm. realtor lives in Dripping and, and she knows a ton about land and she had helped me get in touch with these guys and they helped me, um, they told me initially that this wildlife exemption is much easier to maintain mm-hmm. um, than the the ag exemption for the yeah. bees. So um, they they counsel they had a biologist come out meet with me and suggest the activities that we needed to do to get that exemption, and we were able to um, successfully get that on the property. But then I ended up refinancing. I had the house in my business name when I was building it, but then I put it in my personal name. And so now I have to re redo it again, but it won't be, I already spent, I mean, I spent several thousand dollars, um, with getting the exemption, the wildlife all in place, but Mm -hmm. going forward, you know, the activities are, there's some, there's some bird houses. So there's really not much to that. I just need documentation and they come out and write, you know, what they see. I have a feeder, for, for small animals, it's, it, I don't know that the deer feeder classifies, but it's a, it's another feeder that I got through them. And then I give them, I have water. So it's a little rainwater collection system. Mm-hmm. It's a little shed with a tank and mm-hmm. then it's, um, water for the animals. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to think, I think I have owl boxes, songbird boxes, taking cedar trees is an activity. So I had to show that I did that. That you took them out? Yes, because Mm -hmm. I think the animals, and they're not wanting, I don't think they're wanting you to take all the trees or anything, but maybe the animals can't get through the really dense stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm not real sure the reasoning behind that one, but I liked it. (laughs) Yeah, we don't love cedar trees here. Yeah, Yeah, it works for me. Yeah, Yeah, but I want to say my tax bill was like $200. Oh my gosh. On this property now, now that there's a house on it, yeah. they will tax me on a, an acre, that acre where the house is, and it has to be a full acre. Okay, so they change the taxing on just one acre, and it can't have the ag exemption on the one acre that you live in mm-hmm. the house. Okay. The improvement, no. Okay, it has to be. It's my understanding; it has to be vacant. That's very interesting. Yeah, my knowledge on agricultural exemptions isn't great. I do know a little bit about them and I know when my family owned some land, it was like about 30 acres. We had someone, a neighbor that had cows and we were having his cows come onto our property to feed and pasture for a little bit so that we could get an an exemption there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah. That's nice. You didn't even have to own the cows. No, I don't. I don't want cows. Yeah. So the neighbor was like, well, 
I'll let my cows use your land. So yeah, it worked out. I'm not a fan of cows. I never even considered cows yeah. because I don't like their poops. Uh huh. I think they're just, they poop so much and yeah. it's yucky and I don't want to, I want to walk around the land and yeah. I don't want to walk in that. I too would rather have songbird houses. <laughs> <laughs> you have to help the songbirds. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they need help more than the cows. That's right. But I, I know we want to get a Polaris a side by side. And um, yeah. I know we're, I think we were in South Dakota. We were doing those razors and uh, I don't know if I told you the story, but we were on some land riding around the razor and uh, my husband ran over some cow poop and it like splashed <laughs> up on me. No. It was on my seatbelt. It was on my shirt. I was like, oh my God, this is so gross. And he was laughing and then it happened. <laughs> and I just was like, I don't, I don't know if we had this land yet or not, but I was like, I do not want cows. <laughs> do not. It was ruined for you. Yeah. Uh, well, that just really solidified. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but my friends have a place in Smithville and they have a bunch of cows and they've named like every one of them. And, and it is fun to go out there and feed the cows and yeah. pet them. And I mean, some of them are like pets and really cool. But again, the, just the cow patties, I can't do it. Yeah. And, and so speaking of animals on land like this, um, we do see quite a few deer. We see fox. Mm-hmm. Um, and just recently, um, I think it's kind of a new thing, but we have hogs around mm, here no. and they're my they're migrate or they are multiplying pretty quickly you know, um, they're dangerous neighbor, right they're dangerous yeah that's what someone was saying so like you look like you don't know that they're dangerous okay well okay here's the thing if are they going to be out during the day i mean they could be sure yeah. they will chase you down wow. they will chase you down and they are mean they're 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 very scary to me okay I'm more scared of hogs than I am of snakes, if, if that tells you anything. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to talk about this. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Um, yeah. I. So when we first bought the land, right where we're going to build, I saw some things had been dug up and I wasn't sure if it was a possum, but it, it kind of was a good mm-hmm. amount of dirt. So yeah. I thought it was hogs. And then all year while I was building, I mean, I didn't walk the land every day by any means. I barely walked the land, but I never saw anything that, that showed me, you know, then, um, once, you know, we, the house is done. I looked down a couple months ago and I saw some turned up dirt and, it, and then I went down there and it looked, yeah, it was definitely hogs. And then I went up and talked to my neighbor up top and he said, yeah, that he has a feeder and he has a camera, a game camera and he takes pictures and, and he, he, he kills them, but yeah. he's not able to kill them fast enough. Yeah. Um, they just had babies, like nine babies. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, you need to be careful, okay. especially at night, but. Okay, so last question about building, finding the right lot and building. What do you do right after closing? So on this uh, particular um, land, we closed in, I think, 45 days, something like that. But I wanted to get started. So I worked with the architect and um, you know tried to finalize the plans. The plans changed a little bit from what we turned into the bank, actually, kind mm-hmm. of a lot. Uh, the house got bigger. But, uh, <laughs> of course uh, it did. A lot bigger. Um, yeah, I finished working on the plans and then wanted to get it in for permitting. And, um, about that same time we did a soils test. And then once we got the soils test back, we were able to, um, have the foundation, the engineer engineered the foundation, all that was working while we were at the county getting permitting 
And um, once we got both of those, we started building the house. Yeah. And it's all and all the little details of building the house. There. I just, <laughs> That's a whole nother podcast. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but yeah, it was a really great experience. And I learned a whole lot and mm-hmm. um, just about wells and land and the exemption. And so next, next one that I talk about building, well, it'll be very different. Yes. More discussion. The restrictive side of things yes. and building in a city. And that's a whole nother situation i know a lot of builders who won't build in in areas that are inside of a city yeah it I just mean, takes longer. i really won't build in city of austin it's it, there's even more red tape yeah i mean yeah. i don't want to like i i really love westlake and and i love dripping now too but i love the unincorporated incorporated areas of westlake i'm building in westlake hills right now but yeah like i like if you can find the right piece of property mm-hmm. i think the unincorporated is the best Yeah. All right. Well, we hope that this was helpful and that you learned something. If you're planning to build a home and looking for a lot, I know it's a lot to get it. (laughs) It's it's a big project and a big undertaking to find the right place. So yeah, we hope that this is helpful. It is, but they're out there. Yeah, they are. Just got to do some searching and some, some initial research. And also we didn't mention this, but, um, you know, if you're looking for a specific piece of land and have a, a specific use in mind there are um, land planners that you can hire that will help you through that process and confirm usage before you buy and sometimes if you don't have a lot of time to do the research on your own that could be a really great Mm -hmm. option definitely thanks for joining us today if you have a real estate question you'd like for us to answer all of our contact information is in the show notes If you aren't in the Austin area and need to be connected with a real estate professional where you are, we can help with that too. So send us a message. We're located in the Austin area and licensed in Texas under Realty Austin. While some of this information can apply to where you live, be sure and talk to a local agent in your area. Visit the show notes for more information and additional disclosures.